Every once in a while, you'll find yourself sitting there in the office. Well, at least in the before times, when something happens. At first, you don't really pay any attention. As the minutes tick by, the presence intensifies. It grows and grows until there is absolutely no way of denying its existence. It's an experience everyone has had. Your gastro decides to start a war with the intestines, and if you don't get to the bathroom in the next 20 seconds, you will shit your pants. And probably also your socks, shoes, and shirt. There may even be some collateral damage as the absolute power splashes back onto any coworker within the blast radius. There is good news and bad news. You make it to the bathroom in time. You unleashed a fury onto that toilet that it hasn't seen since the catered lunch that gave everyone food poisoning. You leave the stall feeling relieved and begin the journey back to your desk, arriving to sit down and contemplate the absolute mess that could have been. You try to continue your day when the waves wash back over you and you realize this wasn't a one and done. You're going to be back and forth for the remainder of the day. Alas, you leave the office at quitting time devoid of any food you may have ever eaten. You even managed to free your insides of the ghost of the turkey sandwich you ate in your teens. You can now go home to spend the evening in uncomfortable comfort as you spend the remaining hours till bedtime in the awkward state where you feel okay, but also feel like things could turn again on a moment's notice. You're just deciding to turn in for the night when the email hits. The subject reads, HR Ketchup, 8.30 a.m. tomorrow. Wonder what that could be? A promotion, perhaps? You arise in the morning with a jaunty spring in your step. Maybe it's the nice weather. Possibly it's the fact that you dropped 15 pounds yesterday in the bathroom. No, it's definitely the thought of getting a raise or promotion. Even though your company has a strict no-raises policy, you get to the office, check your emails, and then head to your meeting. HR asks you to close the door, and no sooner than you can get it shut, the head of HR says... We just want to have a little chat. We noticed that you were away from your computer for an exceptional amount of time yesterday. Okay, that was a fun little story. But as it turns out, this isn't really that far-fetched. I call that bubble gut, and that happens to me probably (laughs) once a week. Not the nearly shitting your pants. (laughs) The amount of surveillance that's happening in the office. Well, yeah, probably that too. The stomach thing you might want to get checked out. That sounds like a problem. I remember it was the my last day in the office before COVID hit. And like we knew we were all kind of like we were going to they were going to let us go home early because if they let everyone go home, they were doing like phased releases. If they let everyone go home all at once, it's a giant clusterfuck for basically anyone who lives in that area. <laughs> I remember I had had sushi. <laughs> But it's like slightly above gas station quality. Yeah. Oh, was it cafeteria sushi? Yeah. I thought we discussed this. I know. But (laughs) my mistake was they had discounted it. (laughs) So I'm like, they're probably just trying to get rid of all the cafeteria stuff that's going to like go bad. But they probably still made it today. Like I still trusted that they might have made that made it today. And they definitely didn't. And also, I'm pretty sure it was not stored in like a refrigerated place for a minute. There's three things you never skimp on. Toilet paper, ketchup, and sushi. (laughs) I learned a lesson that day. Well, I didn't (laughs) learn a lesson. But I mean, so I remember sitting there and they were about to let us go. And I was like, well, do I chance it and try and get home or do I you know, take a dump here and potentially get 
bump to like the next group. Oh, tell me you like took a that. chance. Well, <laughs> so I was like, no, you know what? I put my game face on. I went to the bathroom and I just like knocked it out. I mean, this this had to have been some kind of world record. So I get back to my desk. But see, the problem was, if I had to describe it like a sentence, it was like a very strong sentence that just ended with like dot, 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 question mark. Like I could definitely tell there was like a sequel in the works, but I was like, I, I figured I had like bought myself time. And so I work on the third floor. I take the stairs down because the the heat of 80,000 people just radiating and their smell just radiating in the elevator and I just can't stand it. So I take the stairs down to the first floor and I'm walking and there's always one part of the floor that like somebody prepares lunch in the kitchenette. I swear to God, they cook with mace. And so I sneeze and I mean, my shit breaches six of the seven gates. Like there's just like one little guy just like holding on to this like janky wooden gate. Hi, Captain. I'm giving it all I got. I cut off somebody who was like walking to my left as I ducked into the bathroom and I had a backpack on. Actually, when I sat down, it flushed the toilet, which was actually kind of a godsend because <laughs> it w- it was like I was just my intestines were just flowing out of my body. But that's actually the last thing I left with my employer uh, before I went to work from home forever. I mean, it could have been worse. You could have shit yourself. Last time I shit myself, I was in an Applebee's. <laughs> the most amazing thing about that sentence is just the sheer number of times I believe that's probably been uttered by the human race. <laughs> yeah. It's something with their Pico de Gallo, but we can talk about that in another podcast. <laughs> I feel a research project coming on. Nate, I'm getting you an Applebee's gift card and I'm going <laughs> to sacrifice your body. In the name of science. And a 30 pack of Charmin. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think everyone can at least relate to the idea of something creeping up in, in your stomach and just fearing <laughs> for all that's holy that <laughs> you don't shit yourself in the office. And the most incredible part of that experience is as it starts to come on and as you start to ponder whether you're going to make it all the way to the bathroom, you start the plan of, okay, if this goes downhill fast, what's the escape plan? Like, how do I get out of this? If I shit my pants, I obviously can't like try and just mosey out of the, this building (laughs) covered in shit to my car, then sit in it for half an hour (laughs) on my way home. Like, what do you do in that scenario? I think the key is throwing away your underwear is the first thing. At least that's what I learned at Applebee's. Throw (laughs) away your underwear because there's no saving it. I think the big thing is just that pure relief that comes when you make it. It's just that whole planning process that flashes through your head in the sprint to the bathroom. When it just all goes away, you're like, oh, this is so much better than what it could have been. I'm just happy. I know that this feels not great right now and my stomach is still pissed but this could have been so much worse which is a great segue into our topic for today (laughs) it could have been so much worse yeah we're here today to talk about what we're calling the surveillance state and this is just the just oh i can't even believe what i went through to looking at all the stuff that could be used to track employees i didn't realize it was as ridiculous as it is we're going to talk about 
all the ways that employers can track employees, some of the products that they're using. And my favorite part is the pitches that these products give and oh about God. how great they are for everyone, employees included. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's probably going to be the sigh type of, you know, fingers pinching the bridge of your nose. And they're just like, employees love it too. And it's like, mm, do they? If there's anything this podcast has taught me, it's that the people in marketing have no souls. <laughs> I think it's a lesson that I didn't need taught, but it's a lesson I constantly relearn doing this. <laughs> like they literally will pitch anything. You could be selling kicks in the nuts and there'd be someone in marketing telling you how it's great for you. Dick prison. <laughs> so we'll kick this off by just going through the list of the different types of surveillance methods. And this depressingly came from a Wikipedia article. So this is enough of a thing to warrant its own article on Wikipedia, which is just fantastic for life in general. But the list of methods that they include are software, which is things more or less installed on your computer to track what you're doing. Phone recording, which was an interesting one because phone recording is the only one that's actually borderline illegal. You're not allowed to record personal calls because of a federal law. But that gets hazy because if you're using a company phone to make this personal call, then it's kind of on the borderline. Most companies probably have you sign like an arbitration agreement or something like that. Yeah. And so video is the next one. Yeah, I've seen that. Which is like CCTV type stuff where you're monitoring the office with a camera. Oh, I've seen uh, eye tracking. Yeah, that kind of fits into the software one. Oh, okay. Yeah, these lines are fuzzy. There's not a hard set definition of these. They kind of overflow into each other. Email monitoring, which also could be considered software tracking. GPS tracking. And finally, key logging, which blows my mind. And the justifications for this one are just even more mind-boggling, but we'll get into that. Well, you don't want terrorist-typing things. No, it's not even that. It was... Okay. We're going to go into it now because this one was the dumbest reason I'd ever seen for justifying just this absolute invasion of privacy. So from a legal perspective, the question was, like, if this person goes and visits their bank website, you have now logged their username and password to all of their financial shit. Way more than that. But that was the example that was given was just like financial information medical information. There's a whole bunch of shit that comes up on there, especially when tied with the software monitoring, which full screen cap, internet usage and things like that. Like, it's just mind boggling the reason that they think this is okay. And that reason was safety. A terrorism. That's what I said. No, like company safety. Like if this person is in charge of our network gear, we'll now have a backup of the passwords to get into the networking gear. Um, what? You know, I feel like this could be managed with a corporate policy in that no one person is solely responsible for anything equipment-wise that could be completely locked out by an angry person. There are so many ways around this that could be automated to even check that the stuff that you have is valid. But that was the, the reason that they gave for why key logging was an okay thing to do. When you say they, was this the people in like a lawsuit or are these the marketers of a key logging product? 
I wish it was just a key logging product, but these are the marketers of employee tracking software. Oh, uh, so it's like a whole suite. Yeah. It's wild. So uh, I guess anecdotally, I went to a conference and to give you an idea, the, the conference, it was actually geared towards security. It had like a lot of big names there. And one of them was VMware. I was interested in kind of what VMware was up to because, you know, I only knew them as this like virtualization thing. And so, and this was pre-COVID, but I was still super interested in working from home forever. So uh, I was like, well, I'll go check and see what they're working on. It's so weird because they, I wouldn't quite call it a pivot because they're, they are using their kind of like current infrastructure to do part of it. But it was a fucking terrifying presentation. You put the VM software on your phone and they can... Um, I'm already not happy. Yeah, I already hate it. So they can remote <laughs> wipe your phone. Uh, they track you at all times and you can't disable it. And they know if you're like trying to like mess with it. Like if you you know, you turn on a VPN or something like that. And then what they do is they use your phone connecting with the Wi-Fi and they use like, you know, those like mesh mapping technologies to figure out like where you are. They were even talking about how they installed nodes in the bathrooms, like wireless access points in the bathroom so that they could, based on your signal strength connecting, they could tell. And then the phone knows like your orientation. So for males, they know if you're pissing or pooping. Keep in mind, there's like basically a model telling us this where it's like using blah, blah, blah technology. And I mean, it's all euphemism. So they're, she's not like, and you can tell if your men are shitting. It's a little more elegant than that. I'm going to stop you there for a second and just mention that this totally sounds like something that we would do. Oh my God. If VMware hadn't done it. Like, what did you do? Uh, we created this incredibly complicated method Tell whether you're taking a shit or a piss in the bathroom. Why would we want to do that? So you can record the amount of time that you're taking a shit. Like this is a record that you need yeah. for your own personal use. It's medically important. Actually, I would like to pair it with an Apple Watch and get heart rates. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see if there's a particular banger going on and, and we're all missing out. But yeah. And the whole thing that they played it under was that you get all this tracking detail, but for the employee, it's supposed to provide you like directions inside the building or like if you send out an alert of like an active shooter or a fire, it will give you like routes to take on your phone. But then the trade-off is, is that you can't even like go to the bathroom without them knowing. Imagine if your Apple Watch could tell you we know that you're trying to keep this loaf in, but you shouldn't. You need to go now. Like that would be useful technology right there. All right. I'm writing it down. I'm, put, <laughs> I'm putting that on our Trello board. It can detect strain. I develop a cold sweat. For me, it's like my heart rate increases. It's a cold sweat. And then... I feel like the symptoms are very similar to going to the Quaker Steak Wing Buffet, though. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like it's a hard thing to distinguish. Well, was there really a difference? Yeah, there's a little bit of a difference in urgency. That's true. I mean, the Quaker Steak Wing Buffet is typically just a uncomfortable state for the entirety of the afternoon. 
See, my strategy is, is that after wings is when I just eat the roughage they provide on the table, like the celery and the carrots. Yeah, I go through that. <laughs> I put a period on the end of that sentence, hoping that it's going to create some sort of like blocker that just kind of forces everything through. Body, I know I just ate 24 wings, but here's a celery stick to make it healthy. Yeah. Now everything's good. We cool? But yes, they had a couple other things that were also particularly terrifying because not only, you know, it's it's a virtualized environment. So it's like they're monitoring like your mouse path, keylogger, and you can use your phone to like remote in and do some things. Like, I don't know exactly what. I just remember going, all I wanted to know was if it'd be like easier for me to work from home. <laughs> like I didn't want to come out just being like, God fucking damn it. You know, I didn't realize that work Gestapo were working overtime on <laughs> surveillance. Well, and that's interesting that you say that because it actually became a much bigger topic when COVID hit. When everyone got sent home, all of a sudden it was, how do we make sure that everyone's still working? And so I've got some stuff on that later that we will go into with one of these software companies because the way that they market that is just something special. But the VMware thing that you bring up is interesting because my friend's wife, they had this policy where in order for her to get access to her email on her phone, she had to allow them to remote wipe her phone. Yep. That's most places do that. That's just insane. Like why? This is your phone. Like I understand that the company doesn't want you to retain access to that email, which is kind of weird because you've got about 9,000 ways you could back it up. Going through all of this, I went down a rabbit hole, and I know that I've said that before, but it happens a lot. That's usually how these things start. These always make me so mad, and I'm like, why don't we keep doing this to ourselves? <laughs> we just like get so mad and worked up about it. The boomer research paper all over again. Yeah, and it's because we're fueled on spite. That's true. I mean, true. that's the only thing that keeps us going. This is our lifeblood. <laughs> First, I started Googling just employee tracking to see what came up. The real shocker was the sheer number of ads that showed up at the top of the search results. Normally, when you Google something, you get like one or two at the top that are semi-related. And this had like six. So <laughs> there's a real push for this right mm. now that's going on. I started with just looking up employee tracking, seeing what kind of existed. I went to the Wikipedia article, read about what they thought. And then I said, well, okay, these ads, let's make them pay. So I'm going to click on a few of these to see what they are. I started going through some of the different companies because that's my only real way to kind of hit back right now is to just click on their ads a bunch. So yeah. it costs them real money. I have no intention of ever giving them any, but I was curious to see what they had to say. The first one that I kind of went through and I looked at a lot of stuff on their website. Major point that I was really curious about was how they pitched this. I had a feel for the target audience being, you know, CEO type people, the people that would be at the company who would be inflicting this policy on their employees, but would definitely not be part of it because that's how this stuff tends to go when, oh, when yeah. monitoring is activated is just like, Oh yeah, we're going to add in this policy where we're monitoring all of our employees. Well, are the C-level involved in that? Mm, no. But, you know, it's going to be good information. You would stifle them. 
<laughs> and so the entire marketing piece that surrounds this is just fascinating because the whole pitch is about how incredibly useful this is, not only to the company, but to the employee as well. You didn't even know you wanted it. Exactly. This is something that you've been begging for and has just been missing from your life that you just weren't aware of. Active track. We're going to call them out here was the first one that I spent a lot of time on. They kind of went through the list of all the different kind of monitoring techniques that are available. And they are kind enough to offer all of them within their product. That list matched up almost verbatim with what was on the Wikipedia articles. Marketing might have gotten a little lazy there. Hmm. Some of the statements on this website were incredible. And so like this first one was about internet and email usage. Now, I think everyone was kind of under the assumption that if you send email on the company email server, then the company has access to the email. I don't know if everyone kind of thought about that, but I was always under the assumption that if it's on the email server, somebody else at the company can read it. So that one didn't shock me so much, but the internet usage, everyone's heard stories of the IT department logging everything that goes through it. Oh, absolutely they do. Are they smart enough to go through those logs, though, (laughs) or to find meaningful data in those logs? Having worked in IT department in a couple places, the thing is that the IT department typically is going to be, unless they're real assholes, going to be on the side of the employee. They're going to be like, oh, no, I'm not a fucking narc is is what I'll say. Even if they have access to this data, most places, the IT department is going to be like, Ugh, there's just, we have no real way to go through all of this. Like, do you have a specific website you want us to search for? Or no, no. Oh, then, then yeah, it's going to be really hard to tell. Um, we'll look into it. I was so lazy in one position that they had me uh, put up a filter for a certain, uh, I think it was Reddit or something like that. One of the people who use that website really often at work was one of my friends there. And so I didn't block the mobile website. <laughs> I just blocked the, the regular website so they could still browse it on their phone with the company internet. It's just insane the level of effort that goes into making sure that there's no way for an employee to even remotely enjoy a moment inside the office. But back to Active Track, their statement on internet and email was We know the internet is essential to productivity as long as it's used appropriately and efficiently. The idea is to discover how the internet is being used and see if there's any way to improve the usage by the team. Now, I'm reading between the lines here. They didn't explicitly say, see if your employees are looking at websites unrelated to work. They didn't say that outright. Now, as I read this, and I see words like appropriately and efficiently, that's what I'm hearing when I I read that. I'm always curious by this kind of conversation because I've seen statistics and there's one that's down here on from another company website about how efficient employees are in the office and how much of an eight hour workday is actually spent working. But I've also seen plenty of studies that are on the topic of when you're doing something, how much of your brain should be dedicated to that task versus how much should be spent doing something else. And it's a non-zero number. When you're trying to figure something out, 
one of the best ways to figure it out if you're struggling with it is to go work on something else yeah. because your brain actively s- tries to solve this problem. But by not making it the primary focus, you tend to start thinking more creatively. I don't know if the science backs up this claim, but the theory it would be that if you're sitting here trying to figure something out or trying to come up with some kind of solution or trying to think of something creative, to stop for a moment and go browse Reddit while you're struggling may be the best possible course of action for you just to distract yourself from this problem for a moment so that you can think differently. That's the thing, though, is that like how many jobs that would fall under this surveillance state software work that way? How many jobs allow creative solutions versus just like you pick up the fucking phone, you ask the customer to buy something. If they don't want to buy it, you make them feel bad. You know, like you're following some kind of script or like, you know, it's like bowling with the rails up. Like you, there's no jazz. It's just you are essentially just a part of a manufacturing process. Pre-COVID, I would have agreed with you. But based on what I'm seeing from all of these websites, I don't think that's an accurate assessment anymore. I think it's branching out into a lot more of a just general job sense. From the standpoint of IT, it's starting to work its way in. This was for tech companies becoming a question of whether or not this should be a part of it. The concept of working from home has brought up a lot of these fears in companies. So it's branched out to much more than just, let's make sure the customer service person on working in the call center is actually taking calls. And it's gone into every kind of other industry you can imagine. As an employee who's actively tracked, not via active track as far as my knowledge, like constant like eyes over your shoulder thing is real. I mean, my role is not tracked. Basically, you know, they just track how often your little icon is either red or green and not yellow in the in Skype, which is something I've run afoul of recently because I will mark it as away, like I'll actively set it to away when I don't want people to bother me when I'm trying to actually do something. Oh, I do offline (laughs) or do not disturb because then they can't message you. Oh, well, see, I don't necessarily want that, but I'll mark it away. And I've found that when it's marked away, the number of messages I get greatly decreases. I'll get the occasional like, hey, are you there? Or instead of sending like the full on like, hey, and then expecting the whole back and forth response, they'll just send the question, hoping they get a response to it when I come back. I struggle with that at work so hard. Because there's like norms at work where it's just like, you got to say hi first. And so you'll just get a ping that says hi. And then I will generally reply back like, how can I help you? But the expectation is that I'll be like, hi. And then they'll be like, how are you? And then I'll be like, I'm good. And so when I send mine, my mine just say hi, dash, and then my question or statement. Which is exactly what it should be. I've gotten criticism based on it. Like people have legitimately, not like an employee grievance, but it's like a feedback thing. They basically said Nate needs training in office etiquette. But that's the thing is that it's instant messaging. It shouldn't be. You're not talking face to face. 
people think of it too much like a phone call and not enough like an email. Like you're sending me a message. The expectation is that I respond to it when I decide to respond to it. It's not a phone call. I didn't pick this up and we're not in an active conversation just because you sent a message. You're sending a message and I will respond at some point. Like this doesn't necessarily have to be a back and back. I have no expectation of somebody immediately responding to me. So that's why I'm just, I just like, hi, when you get a chance, can you blah, 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 blah. Exactly. And then uh, there are people who just respond like, wow, okay. They're like not even a hi. And I'm like, I said hi. And then typed you two paragraphs worth of text afterwards. And my response to you would be, fucking thank you for telling me what you needed instead of starting a bullshit conversation leading up to it and making me sit here and wait while the three dots are up on the screen for you to type out the entire actual thing that you want me to look at. Yeah, so because I know uh, it used to just be the dot. You know, you got to keep the dot green or red. But then we got teams and teams. I was reading through some of their stuff and I saw you had the same uh, thing that I was reading through when we got teams at work. I was just like, oh, fuck. (laughs) This is going to be bad. The good thing about teams was that it seems to be fairly limited to just teams monitoring. It's not monitoring anything outside of that. It's mostly like your output. You know, how many messages you typed, how many conversations you participated in and stuff like that. Which is an extremely weird metric to monitor, but we'll come to that in a bit. Back to active track, one of the things it goes into was what are the advantages of doing this monitoring? And here is verbatim what they say. It enables employers to analyze business processes. It creates a more engaged team saves money on employee retention, provides data transparency, and protects against data loss. I didn't spend a ton of time going and through their material to scrutinize these, but the one that really popped out to me that I saw multiple times that they claimed, but I couldn't find any kind of real explanation for it, was the saves money on employee retention. Actually, you know, if you look at creates a more engaged team, saves money on employee retention, those ones seem to suspect a very specific scenario, which I don't believe happens. I feel like it's kind of the equivalent of like when they give like high power military weapons to the like local police force, where it feels like these companies assume, okay, well, the people who buy our product are going to look and they're going to see an employee who is not meeting productivity And then they can say, well, why isn't this employee not meeting productivity? What are we doing wrong? But that will never be the case. Never. So your claim is that by seeing that this employee has become disengaged, they can then do something to make the employee feel engaged again. And that will be the savings on retention. Right. It's interesting that you bring this up, though, because that's directly plays into the next point that was on their website. And it was... Again, quote, it is widely known that 70% of Americans in the workforce are not fully engaged with their work. 40% of Americans are not engaged at all. With employee engagement being such a large problem, companies need tools to help them determine who is disengaged, the reason for the disengagement, and how much it is hurting their company. Then it goes on to say from the strategic growth manager at recruiter.com, she calls 
active disengagement, the silent killer, and that it sounds scary because it should. She explains that not only is an actively disengaged worker unhappy and not performing their job properly, but they act out of their unhappiness and by doing so, undermine what their engaged coworkers accomplish. Now, this whole statement to me was terrifying. I gotta say, like, not to underplay slavery as a whole, but I feel like you know how you're talking about how you're you're reading between the spaces here. Mm-hmm. Like, you just, I feel like between the spaces of a lot of these, you just hear like whip cracks and like spiritual songs about following the drinking gourd, because it's like. I don't know. It it makes me feel so uneasy. But I, but I think part of this is it's branded as much towards the company as it is towards the employee. And I think part of that is like this like wink, wink kind of agreement. Because if you had some company, you know, pick one, uh, XYZ company, you know, they make widgets. If you had like an office full of employees and then all of a sudden you just put up a shitload of cameras and then you were talking about, you know, it's like, we're key logging, we're doing this, we're doing this. You would have a fucking riot on your hands. So I think part of this is like that creates a more engaged team and save money on employee retention and allows you to reach out to disengaged employees. It's almost like these are like wink, wink type of lines where the people selling it to the people buying it both know that that's not what's going on here. Well, so the first claim though, that 70% of Americans in the workforce are not fully engaged. A thousand percent. Either that number or higher. Also define workforce. I want a definition for fully engaged because I feel like what this is saying is that your average person in the office is not dedicating the entirety of their eight hour plus workday to a business productive task. Yeah, it's not eight hours of labor per se. You're always going to have some level of interaction between people when you have an office environment. I don't think that any office should have the expectation that you're getting eight hours of strict work. And what's even more disgusting is given the graphs that we've done in previous ones that show curves of productivity versus hours worked, two hours of work today is the equivalent of an eight-hour workday 50 years ago. So. To even expect more from that is already getting into disgusting territory. But even that part aside, there is a whole lot more that goes into an office and business than just the output of the employees. Well, even if you just take like administrative tasks like reading emails. Yeah, I would assume that that counts as fully engaged. That would not show up as engagement, though, because it's like... You're not moving your mouse. You're not typing anything. You're not really interacting with your computer at all. You're just sitting there staring. The other part of this claim that disengagement is the silent killer just sounds like utter bullshit to me, given the fact that productivity wise, we are at all time highs. Radon is a silent killer. (laughs) Cancer is also a silent killer. Yeah. Yeah. But productivity-wise, we are at all-time highs. Output-wise, like you couldn't beat what we're doing now as far as human history goes. Well, and it's like, you know, they're just trying to find a way to wring the cloth a little more just to get a little bit more of the water out. Yeah, economic impact. We are at our peak. 
every metric we see is doing incredible. Even with COVID, our unemployment rates are lower than we have seen historically. So like not as good as it was pre-COVID, but still given the fact that we are in a global pandemic and there are still unemployment rates below 10% is just, I don't know whether to think that's fantastic or terrifying by the fact that we still made everyone work. But I mean, from a economic standpoint and a business standpoint, you can't beat where we are now. So to say that this disengagement is killing businesses just seems like a huge stretch. Yeah. (laughs) I know we talked about how we should do a podcast just on HR, but HR, they're the fucking people that at the end of the world, they're the people who turn on you. They're the people you can't fucking trust. HR people. Yeah, for sure. And I have a friend that works in HR and I'm still trying to get him to agree to come on here. We should have an HR call. I want to pick his brain and also call him a traitor. (laughs) I'll allow it. Then this thing goes on to say, to look at the restaurant industry as an example, an MIT study found that when restaurants started monitoring employees, revenue increased by 7%. The reason? Research scientist Andrew McAfee says, as far as we can tell, performance improved simply because people started doing their jobs better. Hmm. (sighs) Uh, Did they make it known they were being monitored? Yes. Well, there you go. People act different when they're on camera. Like, even if they're not being monitored, even if it's just for fucking American Idol. Yeah. Performance improved because everyone knew that you were tracking their performance. So everyone worked that extra bit while they put out their resume to look for a new job. Yeah. Well, and that doesn't prove the long-term effectiveness of monitoring because it's so okay everybody knows that they're being monitored that doesn't prove that it, it creates a more engaged team and saves money on employee retention and enables employers to analyze business processes it just proves that if you tell people they're under scrutiny they're going to act differently exactly and it didn't go into what happened to that restaurant three months six months a year down the line. For all we know, all the employees left. And the, the, Why do you need a fucking MIT grad to tell you this? Where it's just like weird if you tell people they're being fucking monitored, if the data comes up bad for them, then uh, they're going to get fired. All this study proves is that you should tell your employees that they're being monitored. Yeah, and not actually pay for it. They had all kinds of screenshots on what they tracked. And some of this stuff is borderline sketchy. It was tracking which websites you visited. It was tracking where you visited them. It was tracking like Wi-Fi networks and things like that. It was tracking how much time you would spend in each application on your computer. Uh, It was tracking your time active on the computer. So it was getting a feel for how many hours a day you were on it, what you were doing during those hours of the day. And it even captured screenshots when you were doing unapproved activities. I have something to admit. I have a confession. I did install monitoring software on somebody's computer. You're part of the problem. I know. I'm apologizing for that. I am taking accountability for that. But I will say, in my defense, that this person was visiting unscrupulous websites. And not in terms of like content, you know, where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is lewd content. It's like 
if I see titties in the office, it's not going to phase me one fucking bit. But he kept getting malware on his computer and I kept having to fix it. And I hate waiting for scans to run. I, you know, I was his manager. I did that. Hey, look, man, like I know you're going to like some unscrupulous websites because I have to fix this fucking computer every day. And it's the only people working have been me and you and I have my own computer. So you've been the only person on it. And he's like, no, man, that's not me. I'm like, all right. And so then uh, I started just monitoring network traffic and he caught on because I brought up the website that he was going to, which was an offshoot of World Star Hip Hop, but it was like juicy, thick ladies. What I'm hearing is that you browsed the website at work. I mean, I did check it out. Just to, <laughs> I thought it was important to understand, you know, what if it was like a really great website? What if it was so great it was worth taking the risk to look at it at work? I wasn't about to risk that. You give a promotion. Yeah. Like, you've truly opened my eyes here. This was fantastic. Yeah, you've changed my life. But yeah, and so he caught on and that's when he did the, he bought a VPN called Hide My Ass and it broke some stuff. And we had to actually send a technician out to a shop to go and fix it on site because the operator was too dumb to do it. I installed it on there and this software, it anytime you move the mouse, it takes a screenshot. So it's like every half a second or something like that. It was the most awkward conversation because I'm like, are you sure you are not going to like, I was like, I don't, I don't mind if you're going to Facebook. I don't mind if you're going to YouTube. But I was like, you can't go to websites that will download malware onto the computer. I'm tired of fixing it. He's like, no. Here is a list of company approved porn sites for you to visit. Right. <laughs> and so I set pictures down on the table like I was fucking bad cop at in an interrogation. I'm like, this looked familiar to you? What about this one? What about this one? And he's like, where'd you get these? And I'm like, the computer has monitoring software on it now. What actually ended up being really interesting is that we took it off like pretty much anywhere afterwards. But he thought that we had installed like surveillance software on everything, including his own cell phone. (laughs) Because he used the internet there. And so he thought that just by virtue of using the internet that I installed something. You terrified that man for life. I just, I felt I should get it out there and fully disclose that I have installed surveillance software on a computer and I'm a piece of shit for it. (laughs) Even though what I was trying to solve was, I think, admirable. I think the way I executed it was a very, very poor idea. And I'd like to formally apologize to the world for it. The fact that this is taking screenshots is kind of creepy, but the pricing of it even surprised me more. So for this active track, it is $7.20 per person per month. Shut the fuck up. That's less than my Hulu subscription. And I don't even use it. Well, I thought that was kind of expensive because it's more than a Jira subscription. I don't think that's a, that expensive for what you get. So when I compared this, like, so Jira is like $5 a month. And if you're in software development, that is basically the entire way you manage an entire software product. And you're doing it for $5 per person. This is basically 
just being a way for you to spy on people and be creepy and they're charging more for it. So that was how I put that in perspective. And that seemed insanely expensive to me. Also, looking at these pictures, do you think they had permission to use the headshots and names of the people from the office? Like I see Dwight Schrute, Jim Halper, Michael Scott, and it's all like the headshots of them. Oh, no, that's Veratio. I wasn't sure how that was pronounced. Veratio, Verato, Variato. It sounds very Silicon Valley to me. Aviato. Yes, exactly. There's stuck out because it said like bold type on the very front page. Two hours, 53 minutes. The time the average worker is productive in an eight-hour workday. Once again, I think there's that kind of like very strict definition of like productivity where it's like if I'm reading an email, I'm still being productive, but it's not like it's not as easy to measure as like me like typing or if I am like really shitty at doing PowerPoint, I could be doing a lot of work that ends up amounting to nothing. Yeah, but that was just to catch your attention. The next part was the part that got me. And it had the headline, telecommuting shouldn't mean loss of control and productivity for your company. Transitioning to a workforce that's suddenly teleworking from home presents many challenges. Losing visibility into what your employees are doing shouldn't be one of them. First part of this is that if you have to physically be standing next to your employee to tell what they're doing, you may be a micromanager. The other side of it is that everyone has some other way of tracking productivity outside of it. You're either sending out emails that say what people should be doing. You have Microsoft project files that are tracking roadmaps for things and what people should be doing and when things are expected. You have tools like Jira, which are assigning specific tasks to people. You have all kinds of methods and to-do lists that are basically setting up all the tasks that people should be working on. And if you're a manager and you're expecting these people to deliver things in certain timelines or whatever, you know whether or not they're accomplishing it. Right. If you wouldn't be so shitty at setting up like goals and just like key performance indicators, things like that, you wouldn't need to individually track people. Like you'd be like, get 15 sales a day. That's it. And then you'd just be like, did they get 15 sales? No? Okay. Well, that's bad. Versus like, okay, well, now we know that they spent an hour idle, but they got 17 sales a day. So... They wasted an hour, but they're still above the like quota. We could wring more out of that cloth. It seems shitty because then that's a failure of the company's ability to properly develop goals. This actually sounds like something businessy, which is disgusting. <laughs> it feels gross for me to say you need to develop better goals. Yeah, which is part of what they're pitching is that you can use this software to do exactly what you just said of hey, look, they had an hour idle and they beat expectations. Maybe your expectations are too low. Maybe it shouldn't be 17 sales. Maybe it should be 20 because they had that whole extra hour. But that fails to account for the fact that in that hour, they may have been writing down what their sales pitch was going to be for the next company. They may have been off on their phone researching people. They might have been doing something. They may have been doing something in a way that you just weren't tracking them. There's a whole lot of stuff that could fit into this window that this isn't going to tell you. Yeah, it's super freaking creepy. 
I also wanted to go into some of the laws around this. And the basic gist of it is anything that you can imagine an employer doing is basically legal, especially if you're doing it on their equipment. So if you're using a company laptop or you're browsing on company internet, they have full rights to monitor all the internet. They have full rights to monitor everything you're doing on the laptop. And there's basically fuck all you can do about it. It goes on and on and on about the different types of things that they can monitor, including keystrokes and screen contents. Cameras in the office are okay. There's only two states that require prior consent to that. And that's basically just telling you that you're going to be monitored when you're in the office. And it's most likely part of your employment agreement that you sign something that says that's okay. And it looks like there's only three states that you can't just default record people in bathrooms <laughs> or locker rooms. That was what I was going to say. That part blew my mind. Honestly, I welcome it. Bring it on. If you want to see a fucking horror movie, if you want to see and hear something that looks straight out of like a, the fucking ring, uh, just like my body convulsing and like weird angles and just sounds no human body should be releasing. <sighs> Bring it on. I actually, I welcome my new voyeurism. Also, you'll see that when I pee at the urinal, I pull my pants all the way down to my ankles. <laughs> oh, okay. Not sure what to do with that information. <laughs> it's to establish dominance in the bathroom. And on that note, I decided to compile a list of kind of WTF moments of employee tracking. Some of these are from suspects that you would expect, namely Amazon. And they got a couple of them, but the most interesting ones were tied to a guy that worked for a while at Amazon as a picker. And then he left to go write a book about how his experience was, you know, as one does with Amazon work. He discussed his time using the like little handheld device they use for picking. So it would tell you where to go. And then the moment you got to the location, it would start tracking your time and tell you whether or not you were picking fast enough. And he said, no matter what he did, he was never picking fast enough to the extent that he was in the bottom 10%. He said the only way to even come close to getting into the acceptable region was to run from spot to spot as a picker. And he said that it was just super stressful because you as a human being couldn't do this without just constantly being full bore going from spot to spot, grabbing this stuff. Like there was no like slowing down to do it. And you were being judged constantly with the device, even telling you constantly that you weren't doing this fast enough. But what got even funnier, well, funny is probably the wrong word for that, but fuckier. Yeah. So there was a, a question that came up and Amazon issued a statement where they said the company ensures all of its associates have easy access to toilet facilities, which are just a short walk from where they are working. Associates are allowed to use the toilet whenever needed. We do not monitor toilet breaks. And I find this to be incredibly funny given the recent tweets that Amazon happened to post. But they published an apology too. We're sorry. And, you know, we have come to the conclusion that occasionally our drivers do have to piss in bottles because they can't pull over at a restroom because then they might be late. They blamed COVID. <laughs> <I saw that. laughs> 
like, mm. I mean, as far as a company goes, like it seems like Amazon doesn't have a lot of positives. No, no. I mean, short of the consumer side and getting your shit delivered really fast, it seems to be pretty bad for the employees. I guess a positive thing you could say is that they are in the top 10 streaming services. They're probably number nine or 10, but speaking as someone that has bought stuff on Amazon, I feel like if the employees were allowed to go, you know, use a restroom during their day, I could live with getting my package delivered a day later. Yeah. Or I'd pay like two extra dollars even. Even if it said, all right, you can pay $15 for whatever it is. And you just know that we're going to do our Amazon bullshit. Or you pay $17 and we're going to do the right thing. Yeah, I don't feel like there's enough people that care about human beings as a whole. No. To buy that. It's impossible to even convince people to tip properly, even though they shouldn't be tipping at all. And that pay should reflect a not tipping world. However. Yeah, they've made it optional. Yeah. So the other WTF moment was that in 2017, there was a company called Three Square Market that offered their employees the option to get microchipped. And so the CEO said he was going to do this and he expected that a couple of people, including their board, would do it and some people in their IT department. But it ended up being that 72 of the 90 people that work at this company are now chipped. These are like the same chips they put in like dogs and cats when they like run away? Uh, I think they're a little more advanced than that. But yeah, same concept. And so it allowed them to get access to their computers, to certain areas of the building. It worked like a key card, more or less, but it was in their hand. And so they could use it at the vending machines, too, to basically charge their own accounts for stuff. I mean, that was weird, but the interesting part was his quote on this. And they asked him, can you see this taking off for other companies? And his response, not necessarily, or at least not yet. It's partly a generational thing. You may never want to be chipped, but if you're a millennial, you have no problems. They think it's cool. Uh, Millennial here. Uh, Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I was going to say, as a millennial, I think Todd Westby of Three Square Market can go fuck off because I do not want to be microchipped for my work to monitor everything I'm doing. Yeah. Or allow yourself to be further exploited. Can you imagine in the future, it's like you apply for a job and they're like, oh, sorry, you have a chip that's like incompatible with our system. You can't work here. You're describing Futurama because everyone's microchipped with their exact position. It gets even more what the fuck than that. Oh, good. The company launched a mobile phone app that pairs with the chip to use the phone's GPS to track the location of the person implanted with the chip. What do these people fucking do? Because three square market sounds like just like an investment firm. Why do you need GPS? Are you in the office or are you not? I don't know, but I don't know at what point anyone would ever allow their employer to track their exact position at all times. That is straight up terrifying. One of the quotes on this article that I was reading was that getting these implants with the GPS tracking is a better way to track people on probation. Instead of getting ankle monitors, they can have this implant. 
They said it was more dignified. And you could put it in somebody's neck and make it explosive. And if they go outside of a zone, pop. Now you're just describing Suicide Squad. Mm, Yeah, I do get the vast majority of my knowledge from movies. Actually, not even movies, just trailers because I haven't seen Suicide Squad. (laughs) I guess I can understand the more dignified piece of that because if you're only allowed in certain zones, having something like this, I mean, it could easily be a watch instead of a microchip. Uh, They talked about microchips at least for parolees, microchips that can also detect drugs in your system. Oh, okay. So basically, narcs, just micro narcs. I mean, I can kind of get that uh, saying that it allows someone to integrate better into society without having this giant ankle monitor on them. Yeah, that's. It's still on the super sketch territory. I guess if it's removed, but I, at the other end of that, I just can't understand. Like, if you can implant this into somebody's body and have it function, why couldn't you just put it on something like an ankle monitor that's covered up? Why is the distinction that we either have this giant ass ankle monitor or a chip that we implant in your skin that ties to your phone? Like, there seems like there's a middle ground there that doesn't require it's like a medical implant. So, overall, what we're trying to say is that. There's a lot of ways for your company to monitor what you're doing. Hopefully your company's been straightforward about what things they've implemented, but you need to know that they don't necessarily have to be. There's a lot of laws that allow them to install things on the computer that you're using that as long as they own it, they're allowed to track whatever they want. There's a lot of things they can do on your phone if they own it. There's even things they can do on your phone, assuming you've agreed to whatever policy they have in place. Moral of the story is, If your company is tracking you, you might want to look elsewhere because it can get creepy fast. And there have been plenty of stories that you can find by Googling of creepy bosses looking into things that they shouldn't be and violating people's privacy and even lawsuits around that. The Crapitalism Podcast was brought to you by the ramblings of two crazy people at Minimal Useful Industries. If you hate yourself and would like to learn more while maybe having a bit of a laugh, we invite you to check out our website at minimallyuseful.com. If you'd like to check out more from the careers of our incredible music, check out heftone.com or search for Heftone Banjo Orchestra. A link to their website is in our description. Until next time, love Minimally Useful Industries.